peridot will actually fall from the sky and it will rain gemstones. Hello everyone and welcome to our Gem Pursuit. I'm joined this morning by the ever trusty, ever knowledgeable Elise Ketcher. Good morning, Elise. Good morning, everybody. I wish you had have heard our conversation earlier because Matthew is going to call me, try and find something that rhymed with trusty. And he came up with only one other word, which was crusty or no, no. And then the second one was musty. So I think he, it's good that he stuck with trusty. Thanks, Matthew. You know, we're going to stick with trusty. And I think that's the most accurate description. Um, today, we are going to be talking about one of my personal favorite gemstones which has such a beautiful color and can be cut into so many unusual shapes as well and it is peridot yes I, I i'm excited about this one because it is a gemstone that is only one color so well you know a range of the same kind of color so it's it's going to be an interesting one for us to teach you how about its history but also how to identify the gemstone outside of its color and of course the famous peridots of the world so um, i'm excited to get started very exciting one let's get started So I think with peridot, the history and lore of it, and, you know, before we really get into that, Elise, you know, there's a question which is on, you know, the lips of the nation, really. And is it called peridot or peridot? Let's ask Google, see what it's called. Peridot. Peridot, according to Google. Peridot. Peridot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems to say peridot. I kind of... I'd be more on the peridot corner kind of thing. I, in all of my years, have never heard any gemologist call peridot, peridot. You know, uh, and this is just in Italian. Peridotto. They're closer. Peridotto. <laughs> I would much prefer to call it peridotto than call it peridot. Uh, so, I mean... And French. Peridot. And then just the American one. Peridot. Peridot. It seems to be unanimous there, but I'm the exact same. I was always peridot. Yes, peridot is, I mean, generally accepted in the, gemolo the gemological world, peridot is the way that you would pronounce it. So I, you know, we're not going to turn you away if you say peridot to us, but generally the way to pronounce it is peridot. Yeah, and, uh, and as with all gemstones, the, the word usually comes from some sort of ancient script or ancient te text. This comes from an Arabic word, faridat. And obviously then over time, it kind of evolves into the word peridot that we know and love today. <laughs> what I think is really cool, it, peridot has some really, really interesting quirks to it. And it's, it kind of, to me, is in a category of its own, but the, the way that it forms, the stories about it, the and as you said in the intro, the coloration of it, it it's always in the same range of colors, like ye yellowish green to kind of, you know, green, right? But what's cool about it is that it is found in lots of different places as well. So mainly in China, USA, Vietnam, um, but also Finland, Pakistan, Myanmar, and 
Zabargad, which is uh, an island, which also uh, came up in our Topaz episode. Yes, yes. I mean, it's really hard for me because like there is so much history and law surrounding Peridot. Um, all the way back to ancient Egypt, we have um, we have Cleopatra wearing to- uh, wearing uh, peridot, um, and it's of course because of the coloration, it gets mixed up with with emerald. So it's thought that many of her emeralds were in fact peridots. But for me, the peridot has a really special place in my heart because. It is connected with volcanic activity. So So anyone looking for a very special place in your heart, think volcanic activity. Got it. <laughs> no, it's it's because no. it's because um, my heritage is from the Polynesian Islands and um, I I have my my sister and her husband and my mother and uh, four of well five nieces and nephews that live on the Hawaiian islands um, and Peridot is a gemstone which is found um, on, on the Hawaiian islands because of the enormous amount of volcanic activity that happens there but the story that I want to tell actually about the history and lore surrounds one of the most famous native Hawaiian goddesses known as Pele and if you ever go to the Hawaiian islands you will hear her name and it's spoken in reverence and a lot of times it'll be she'll be spoken about when people are near the volcano um, Kilauea which is found on Hawaii the big island um, as it's known in Hawaii so her story begins in Tahiti and she was born to the fertility goddess and she had a sister which you know if you have a sister not all sister relationships are um, straightforward and lovely and it was the same with Pele her and her sister Namaka didn't get along specifically because Pele ended up having an affair seducing uh, Namaka's husband and Pele swiftly left the Tahitian islands by canoe to run away from her sister who was trying to kill her and along the way she started fires and those fires were what is now known as the Hawaiian islands. So Pele is considered the creator of the Hawaiian island chain. She's also known as the volcanic goddess, the goddess of fire, the goddess of thunder, the goddess of dance. And her sister catches up with her when she gets to the big island and she kills Pele and, well, her body. And Pele becomes a part of Kilauea, which is the active volcano on the big island. Now, Kilauea still erupts to this very day and it is a huge uh, tourist attraction for many people around the world to go and see volcanic activity. But the Hawaiians see her as very much a a goddess and some would call her 
tutu, which is, um, you know, a, an endearing way to say grandmother. So they'd call her tutu pele. When the eruptions are happening, they will be very much in reverence of pele. When, you know, they'll, when the smoke starts to come out of a volcano, it will be, you know, Pele's not happy with us. But the reason why I tell this particular story and um, of Pele is because when Kilauea does erupt um, on the Hawaiian islands, it actually rains peridot. So from the sky, because of the eruption, peridot will actually fall from the sky and it will rain gemstones. And because of that, peridot is known in Hawaiian culture or by the Hawaiians as the tears of Pele. So because it comes from the sky when it, it erupts. So, you know, it can be found, you know, in amongst this very dark black rock, which um, is known as obsidian, which is another gemstone or volcanic glass, you can also find these very bright hints of green, which are considered Pele's tears, um, and of course, are peridot. So it's a, you know, for me, it's a very close story to my heart because I have such a connection to the place, um, but also because uh, culturally, so much significance and history um, that still happens today. Wow. Thanks for sharing that with us, Elise. That's a really awesome story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, with the volcanic activity. And I think that's why it is such a cool gemstone because of the way it forms differently to a lot of gemstones. And then, you know, it also can actually arrive on Earth. And it's one of the few gemstones that arrives from Earth from space uh, in our, what they call extraterrestrial gems. So, it's been found, this is the truth, no, this is the truth, it's, Ross, our producer here is having a good laugh, but it actually has been found on meteorites that have fallen to Earth, have been found to have extraterrestrial, uh, or, well, sorry, you know, peridot that comes from space contained within them. Now, you're not going to find these in your local jewellery shop, right? These are usually, you know, people who are very into mineral collecting or gem specimen collectors, they'll buy these very rare extraterrestrial peridots. The other thing I think it's important to mention about peridot, it can also be called olivine, or the, the mineral is olivine. But obviously, you know, when it's got the, the peridot color, it, it's, it's called peridot. But it's a six and a half to a seven on the most scale of hardness, so quite hard, good for jewelry, and it's actually the birthstone for the month of August as well. So... I'm not born in August, unfortunately, but it is a very beautiful one. So identification of peridot, um, you know, as you mentioned at the start, at least, you know, it was often confused or thought to be emerald. But there are a few ways to identify peridot. One is that it has a very specific inclusion. If you're using a loop, and I suppose you probably have to have seen this a few times to actually be able to realize what you're looking at but it has what's called a lily pad inclusion in it I'm, I'm laughing to myself because i will never ever forget this inclusion because when i was doing my gemstone my gemology course and 
it came to the um, it came to the exam. The the um, where you have to identify stones at the end. Yeah. So with I've done a few different courses, but I did one with Gemme, and Gemme has like a really, really hard exam at the end of it. And it's six hours with a an hour break in between two, three hour blocks. And you have to, they give you these gemstone specimens and some of them might be actually faceted and some of them might be rough crystals. And you have to draw the two sides of the specimen and then you have to do all of the tests on it and you have to write at the end what it is. And you're not allowed to get any of the gemstones. You're allowed to get one gemstone incorrect, but you're not allowed to get any more than that. And you otherwise you'd fail, right? What a marathon. Six so hours. Oh it's, it's, it's hardcore. It's really, really, really hardcore. And by the end of it, like, because I had also, I was also living living far away at the time. So I had to travel three hours in for an exam that started at nine o'clock in the morning. So I literally had been up at like three o'clock in the morning to get to London in time to go to this exam, right? So I was already like very, very tired by the time I got there. And then I was like, here's a bunch of gemstones, draw them and do everything that you can with them. And I was like, what? anyway, I got to the end of it. And the last gemstone that I had was an oily green gemstone. Okay. Which could be a number of different things. It could be demontoid garnet. It could be peridot. It could be emerald, you know, whatever. All I remember was at this stage, I was nearly cross-eyed because I'd been looking through a loop for so long, for six hours, right? And I was looking at this gemstone, I was drawing it, and I was like, yeah, writing down its color, blah, 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 you know? And pulled up the loop to my eye, looked into the gemstone, very distinctive um, inclusion in there. And I was like, oh, very distinctive inclusion, demotoid garnet. And walked out of the exam and I was like, yes, that's done. And then I sat down in an armchair and... I had this flash in my head, like that was not a horsetail inclusion. That was a lily pad inclusion. It had a very, very specific black little gemstone in the middle, which is very typical to Peridot. And then it had this stress crack around it, which looked exactly like a lily pad so I I was going home and I was like I've I failed this I failed it I know that that was a peridot it had an oily luster it was I should have looked at it through a spectroscope I was sitting there I was like annoying blah 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 blah. anyway I got one gemstone incorrect and it was the peridot gemstone. Did they tell you which one you get? <laughs> they, they told me. I, I, I got one gemstone incorrect and it was peridot. And I'll never get it wrong again. Mm. Ever, the, ever, ever. And it was the last one. It was the last gemstone. Yeah. I remember it was the last gemstone because I was so exhausted. I mean, it was six o'clock at night at this time, at this stage. And I had been, you know, I'd been gemstoned out. And, uh, you know, or you could say I had been stoned out, <laughs> but I was literally over it at that stage. 
but you know the that feeling that sinking feeling when you know what you've seen you know it's a lily pad the lily pad forever will live in my mind i know exactly the feeling you're talking about and it's specifically related to a bracelet which we'll talk about after this right but <laughs> but uh, we won't get into that now but um but yeah it is it is specific but even for an experienced gemologist once you know what a lily pad is and a, and a horsetail inclusion and dematoid garnet is actually probably a very similar looking gemstone to peridot it is it is different and for reasons don't give it, me excuses that was wrong i was wrong yeah i was yeah it was wrong <laughs> you wrong but it, it no but like it is a very similar color but so that that inclusion is specific to it the other thing right and talking about identifying peridot and i think this is also it relates to the value right so the way peridot forms, this is really important to the whole stone. This is what I really love about this stone because it's a good, it's a real, uh, for me, I can really get my head around this, right? So it forms in one of two ways, right? Peridot forms one of two ways. Either it's within another kind of a rock, so it's like a, a, like a rounded rock with peridot inside, right? And they call them like irregular nodules, right? So these peridots... Typically, they're like very small. They're, they can be found like very close to the surface, which is very unusual. A lot of stones you have to mine deep. Peridot can be found right at the surface, like right at the surface. So you've got these irregular nodules, which tend to be most, a lot of peridots form this way. Small little crystals, right? Small peridot is in abundance. Large peridot crystals, very rare. The reason why is those large crystals, they don't form in these rounded rocks. They have to form in solidified molten rock right so the big crystals that's and and because anywhere there has been volcanic activity in you know in history you can find peridot so they, they come up in you know finland pakistan myanmar zabergat you know in you know the the commercial qualities are found in china usa vietnam but those very nice and obviously the hawaiian islands but those molten rocks have lines of crystals inside them and it's only in those molten rock when the conditions are right that peridot forms but they're the big ones right so once you've identified as peridot you know and you're thinking value of it it's not like a it's not like a gradient line right it's like a very very in terms of card weight and value like it's it goes up very quickly once you get to big crystals right so that's a key thing to know about peridot the the, the lower sizes especially the lower colors uh, like paler colors you're talking like you know 30 to 80 euro a carat so one carat stone could be 50 euro right but for the bigger crystals it can go four five six hundred euro per carat so again you're thinking if you get a 20 carat peridot you know how's my you know mental arithmetic here right <laughs> you're 10 to 15 grand right yes. you know for a big if that's not even a huge crystal but you compare that to the lower value 30 you know it's it's such a huge difference with peridot and it's not like you know we talk about another uh in other varieties of gemstones topaz for example there's lots of different types of topaz but this is just peridot there's no varieties of peridot it's just peridot and it can go from 30 euro carat up to four five six hundred for the top top specimens so the size of it has like a, a step change. Your small ones, and then once you get into the big crystals, the price jumps dramatically. And that's super important to value. Definitely. One thing that I just want to add in terms of 
the identification of Peridot just because, you know, it is... Sorry, I got carried away into value there. I know, no, you're fine. <laughs> One thing that I want to just hop back into um, identification is that, you know, because I've had this very, like, this traumatic event... <laughs> When it comes to the identification. Well, it's all well that ends well because you got through it in the end. I did, I did. But the identification for me of Peridot has then become like this thing that I, you know, I have right on the top of my head at all times because of this event that happened in my gemstone career. And another wonderful way to, which we haven't spoken about in any of our other gemstone episodes so it's a, a piece of equipment that is a really great identifier for certain gemstones and it's actually called a spectroscope and a spectroscope is like this kind of like uh it almost looks like a telescope and you have to hold it over a gemstone that has light going through it usually artificial that you use and then you look through the spectroscope and it will show the spectrum of colors right so it, it looks like a it looks like a rectangular line almost like when you're looking through a kaleidoscope mm -hmm. but you'll only see like a rectangular line which has the um the colors of the spectrum broken up what happens with the spectroscope is you hold the gemstone over the top of it and when you beam light through it it shows what colors of the spectrum absorb in a gemstone, right? And it shows characteristic lines for certain gemstones, not all gemstones. But peridot in particular, if you can get a good peridot and you can actually view it through a, a, spect a spectroscope, you can actually see it has a distinctive um, pattern, on a spectroscope, which is three lines which absorb only in the blue to green area of the spectrum. So it's like it has like and I could I can actually draw this spectrum in my sleep because it is a great way to identify this gemstone. So it's just another little tool in your pocket. Spectroscopes aren't terribly expensive. They're difficult to use if yeah, you've never used them before. Um, so it takes some practice, but it is another little nugget of knowledge to have in your toolbox if you're looking for gemstones. A spectroscope for a peridot is definitely one of those things which can help with identification. So many beautiful peridots have been an important jewellery in the past, at least. I'd be curious to think, which one have you picked? Because there were, there were a few options for this, I believe. Well, I really wanted to go with something different. Right. Wouldn't be unlike you. No. <laughs> and instead of choosing a famous piece of jewellery, I decided to go with a famous place. Oh, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> would you like to disclose this information to us? I would. Um, many years ago, I traveled to the big island in Hawaii. Um, and I went to Kilauea, saw the um, lava inside um, 
inside the volcano and, you know, was in awe of the beauty of the Hawaiian islands and um, decided that I'd travel to this place because um, I really wanted to see something that was so, so rare, so, so rare. And obviously because I am also a gemstone enthusiast, I thought this is going to be amazing. However, by the time I got to the place, it was in the middle of the night, so I didn't actually get to see it. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But what I'm talking about is a place on the Hawaiian island called Papakolea. Um, and if you've ever been lucky enough to go to this beach called Papakolea, it is a green sand beach. And it is actually green because the sand is made out of peridot. So it is very, very, very rare. I mean, even if you go to um, the Greek islands, you find red sand beaches of Santorini, the black sand beaches of Santorini, the white sand beaches of Santorini. But there is no green sand beaches of Santorini because it's so rare to have, you know, to have crushed up olivine or peridot in this particular case because it's not considered gemstone quality it's called olivine but essentially it's crushed up peridot which makes this beach green and it's you know the typical peridot green it's not like oh yeah it looks like it might be green it might be it's, it's very very typical peridot green and the way in which the sand goes into the water and then obviously the water kind of like takes on this green persona it looks so magical so so magical and it's famous world round for its green sand beaches not a lot of people know that the reason why it's green is because of pele and peridot sounds amazing yeah, yeah. Imagine, i can only imagine, imagine the the sand going into the water would be quite like it would always be. Let's have a look. You want to show me a picture? Wow. So at least shown us a picture of it here, and I definitely <laughs> recommend looking this up because it is literally like bright green. It, yeah. It's very interesting looking. Um, it's no Irish beach. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> it's. Um, but, and I love that it's actually like a different place. It's a. It's a thinking of peridot in a different yeah. way, I suppose. So. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the old, very famous gemstones are a mystery because of antiquity and the records are kind of lost in history. Yeah. What I really love about this one is that it's almost completely traceable. So you can look it up, you can see exactly where it's gone, how the values have increased, you know, where it's sold, who's bought it. And also it's a really incredible, it's, well, it's a tiara and power and entire suite basically of jewelry sounds amazing and actually we sold a tourmaline tiara which is you know a different it was a crown like a green tourmaline which actually reminded me of this piece ours was fantastic value in comparison but it is called the habsburg peridot parer and it was made in the mid 1820s by a jeweler called a.e kochert 
And if you look up this Habsburg suite, you'll see it's comprised of, and I'm sorry, the whole idea of a power, it's not something you'll see in jewelry lot this day. It's a suite of jewelry. So it comprised, this one is a Bondo style tiara, which means that it doesn't have like the, the pieces on the top that stick out. It has a, goes like across a, the forehead. Yes, goes across. Yeah, like a, a hairband kind of. Like a farnyar. Uh, yes. And then it's got a, like a stomacher or a brooch, which is like a piece of jewelry that you can wear on your stomach. It's got earrings and then it's got a necklace as well, right? Now, the really cool thing about this, so you've got all these different pieces and they're big gemstones, like big, big stones. The different thing, the interesting thing about this is the necklace has seven pendants that hang off it. So you imagine a necklace and then you've got these big, pear-shaped peridots that hang off the bottom, they can actually be removed and put onto the tiara on the top. So you've got a Bondo or a more traditional style tiara. Amazing! Now, it, was, it was made for the wedding of Princess Henrietta of Nassau-Weiburg, right? So, you know, just your general wedding kind of piece that you get made, right? <laughs> but what's really cool is that you can actually track its sales and auctions in recent years. It, w- it was kind of bought and sold for a few years and eventually it disappeared for about 50 years off, off the market. It was in a safe in California somewhere, you know, which makes me think of some of the mysterious gems that we've talked about. You know, 50 years for a gem to go missing is actually not that long. Like if you think of if a certain, there's certain families who have very, a lot of nice jewelry and, you know, they can be off the market for 150, 200 years. No bother. But so there was in London, auctioned them in 2001. Um, they were bought by a very famous New York based jewelry firm called Fred Layton. And his name pops up all the time, you know, we see him. And so Fred Layton and they often loan the jewelry out. So you will have seen these different stars had them. Joan Rivers famously wore to the Golden Globe Awards, Golden Globe Awards in 2004. Uh, she wore the earrings and the necklace with the pendants on the bottom of the necklace. And if you look up, uh, if you look up Joan Rivers wearing the Habsburg necklace, you will see just how big these stones are. Right? Sounds it's, amazing. It's massive, right? Now, funny enough, that was 2004. Today, the whereabouts of the of the necklace and the tiara are actually not publicly known, right? Probably safe for the person who owns them. Yeah, no, I would... Exactly. But the Brazilian philanthropist Lilia Safra purchased some part of the suite in 2001 because when they were sold again in 2012, it was part of her collection. So we know that she got part of it. And the two pieces that she has were the earrings and the brooch, which would be the The least value, the small part. They sold for $170,000 in 2012 and actually it was probably in the last 10 years that jewelry with provenance has gone like stratospheric right yeah. so 170,000 not including fees by the way just for the two small parts when you take into account the you know the tiaras and you know where they are and the increase in the value of these pieces since 2012 you could be looking at this well over a million in fact i'm my guess would be if all these went for sale right now I think you'd be talking several million, right? But it's definitely worth, if you have an interest in particular historic pieces, this is definitely one to look up. The Habsburg TR, there's lots of information on it, lots of images of it. The whereabouts in the last few years have kind of, has not been public, but watch this space because I'm sure they're going to come up again. 
that's so interesting, but also kind of a little bit heartbreaking because one thing that I find with when we find sweets is if they've been broken up, you're like, where is the other parts of this collection? And it just, you know, that's, this is, we're going to go into our trade secrets or our jewelry tip. I think I've given a lot of tips on how to deal with peridot, but my my tip for you today would be if you have a suite of jewellery, keep it together. It's always going to be worth more as a set than it is going to be as separate. And, you know, how many times have we, Matthew, have we come across like a dub, a jewel uh, clip yes. that has one of the clips missing? And it's like well where's its other clip it it's not as it's not worth as much without the other clip but you know yeah but i get it though elise i get it i I, wouldn't do it but i wouldn't do it but i get it because what happens here is that you get businesses who acquire (laughs) these pieces and what happens is the business is like get someone who wants just the earrings or just the brooch or just the necklace or just the tiara uh well if someone's wanting the tiara they probably take the whole set right but the business is thinking they probably need to sell it for commercial reasons and then they end up just saying, oh, they don't want it, but they end up saying, it. I've actually never done it. Uh, couldn't do it. Because we haven't had a... F- we, we, funny enough, we sold a Peror the other day. Within, it was an earrings and... Um, necklace. Necklace set. You know, and that but was, we would never have taken that apart and given just the earrings. Even if somebody said, I'll give you... You know, it had a box that it all fit in together. It was like... Yeah, but now the market's good for it. Perfect. But, you know, 50, 60 years ago, these people didn't, they didn't really care too much about the perurs, the sets together. The wise people did because they know they're worth a lot more now. But, you know, they got broken up all the time, which is a pity. Sometimes they do get reconstituted or re, they find their way home together. But we'd never do it. And I think that's a very good trade tip to keep. If you have a set, keep it together. The, the trade tip that I would give you, and it's not really a tip, it's just a good piece of, trivia for people who are interested in peridot and it just shows you know that you have a bit of knowledge about peridot peridot is one of the only gemstones that is never treated it is not the color is always natural and there's no treatments given to it so it's that vibrant zingy green is natural as the gemstone was created and it's definitely worth keeping that in mind if you're looking at peridots Well, we're going to wrap it up there on Peridot. Definitely next time, well, or the first time that I go to Hawaii, you know, really enjoyed hearing about the Papakolia coast in Hawaii. Very interesting beaches. And anyone who's going, if you're a gemstone enthusiast, these beaches, certainly judging by the pictures, are well worth a trip. So, um, Elise, thank you very much for that today. You're welcome. Lots of fun, Matthew. And of course, as always, to our producer, Ross, thank you for putting these episodes together. And I really hope you all enjoyed us. And if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to message us on Instagram or TikTok uh, or even email us on experts at courtville.ie. We would love to hear your stories about gemstones or about peritos in this particular instance. And of course, if you have an interest in peritos, you can always check out our website, courtville.ie otherwise i hope you all have a very nice rest of the day and i shall see you and chat to you all very soon <laughs> i was thinking of words i could say i was trying to interest my 
I was going to say my trusty co-host. I was going to say, she's trusty, and then say other words that rhyme with trusty. And all I could think was crusty and, and musty. <laughs> a busty. <laughs> Flusty. Trusty. Uh, you're dead.